podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. to a Celtic state of mind. It's the Monday Club. I'm Tony Haggerty and joining me as ever is the irrepressible, irresistible, irreplaceable Russell Boyce. How you doing, Russell? <laughs> I was convinced you were going to say Amy at the end. I'm not my name. <laughs> I'm very well, mate. Very well. Buzzing yeah. with the new format, man. Good. Buzzing. Good. Now, the more astute amongst you will have noticed there's a change in personnel and starting lineup. Gives me great pleasure to introduce... Highly talented young lady, making her debut on the Monday Club, and also to let everybody know she'll be appearing here on the Monday Club from now on in. Please, it's Amy Canavan. Now join in at home, Russell. Every woman, every man, join Join the caravan of up. Right, now, Amy. I'm never going to have a better intro than that, am I? Oh, it's all downhill no. from here, Amy, I promise all you. All downhill from here for this. <laughs> all downhill from here. Now, the dogs may bark, but the caravan moves on, and you join the Monday Club, all right? So, how are you, Amy? I am absolutely buzzing to be here, I really am. I'm delighted. It's a nerve-wracking one who breaks up the Monday Club, me. But, um, no, I'm here, I really am. It's, um, it's got to be class, we've got to have a great time. Don't be nervous because you're talking about your first love and your last love, the rip-roaring, free-scoring, never-boring Glasgow Celtic. So there you go. So what have we got here? We've got Amy, we've got Russell, we've got Tony. First letters of those, first names, that's art. Art. (laughs) See what I did there? See what I did there, guys? Very good. Right, now you probably noticed first thing, going to get right into this. First topic for discussion. There's a report in the Daily Record today by my former colleague Keith Jackson, he says that Eddie Howe and others, Dominic Mackay, will bring them in by the end of the week. Now, why the end of the week? Do you like this, Russell? Tomorrow. Tomorrow's a ball on the tee, wild thing. John Daly's flying 400 yards because what date is it tomorrow? It's the 25th of May. Now, Celtics, modern day history is predicated on the 25th of May. Everybody mm-hmm. knows. And what a wonderful opportunity that would be to reconnect with the supporters, show them that they're in touch, and that they completely, utterly get it, Russell. Right? Now, I'm, if I'm in the hoops in that department, right, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. I'm getting a picture of Eddie Howe, run it alongside Jock Steen. Under Eddie Howe, I put reboot, rebuild. Under Jock Steen, I put remember. Very good. Very good. What's your thoughts on that? Now, that's a marvellous slogan to herald the arrival of a new manager. Now, in no way, shape or form, and I'm comparing the two men, but every manager coming into Celtic Football Club has to aspire to that greatness. Yes. Yep. Some will make their mark, some won't, but as long as they strive to emulate the achievements of the past, we know, the supporters know, they'll be in good 
in safe hands. What say to that, Russell Boyce? Reboot, rebuild, remember. No, I love that, mate. I, I love that. I think if we're being completely honest about it, though, Tony, we've had an excuse every week why it would be the perfect week to announce how, you know what I mean, <laughs> for the past two months. Gift horse, come on. But this one, that's got a lot, of, a lot of good connotations with it. I think it is important to try and reconnect with the fans. There's no better way of doing that than dishing out some Lisbon patterns yet again. <laughs> I mean, why not? <laughs> but um, obviously, the, the flip side of that is you're not wanting too much pressure on Eddie Howe, but if it was me getting the Celtic job, it's not going to happen, by the way. But if it was me, then I would be aspiring for greatness as well. That's what you should be. That's what you should be. Don't be scared of it. Aspire yeah. to be it. And I think, um, I think right now, in terms of the support, the disengagement is so wide now that you know it could be any day, literally, that, that he gets hired. I mean, uh, we're going to feel though. My worry is now, if I'm being totally honest, is we're all going to have an overwhelming sense of relief as opposed to that unbridled joy we were all hoping we were going to have. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's almost like when you when you used to win a Glasgow derby, right? And I was, you know, I was just relieved. I was just knackered. Do you know what I mean? Like, I never felt like, oh, this is amazing. I was like, oh, I'm glad that's over. Um, and then if you lost, of course, it's devastation. And we need to take that into consideration until said article today, there was obviously stories circulating yesterday that perhaps this still might not be a done deal yet and cast an iron. So, um, cast an iron? A cast iron deal. Um, <laughs> you can't cast on an iron. Anyway, anyway, uh, I just think that would be the devastation thing. If how is announced this week, I will feel nothing but relief. If they come up with a slogan like you're saying, a wee bit of a decent marketing campaign, do it on a date that they know is synonymous with the supporters, it shows they're thinking of the supporters, then I think that does certainly give them, it gives them help in repairing what is a lot of damage that they've caused in the past 12 months. Correct. Are you, are you on board with that tomorrow? Being the day, 25th of May, come on. It's a no-brainer, isn't it? It is a no-brainer. And, no, and I have no brains. Either. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's no other day, like you see, left on this calendar year really that, that could be synonymous with the fans like you say there's this is the last chance as Russell said there have been upteen chances up until now to do it in correct days and you can do it on, on the bounce back from a defeat a win whatever's happening across the city so that's all been missed there's there's not that many opportunities left this really is the last one I think we, we spoke about it last week that it probably will just happen now on a random Thursday but this is the last chance for it not to happen on a random Thursday you know it, it would be it would be a little touch to the supporters. It'd be a little nod to the supporters to prove that no, we do still hear you. We do actually still even know that you're there. Um, but if it doesn't get done tomorrow, if it doesn't even get done this week, I still wouldn't that be that surprise. But as Russell says, it is now just going to be a sense of relief, and I think that's quite sad that it's now just going to be we got over the line because Celtic cannot afford to not get it done now. It's not it's not a case of anything else, and you can put all your financial matters aside. They cannot afford to not get out right now. It's a saga oh, now, isn't it? It's been a, a saga. I mean, the first meetings that they had were two months ago, I believe. Yep. You know, it's, it's become a long, drawn-out, protracted affair, but there you go. Amy just wanted to say, lovely top that you're wearing, and you can <laughs> tell us what it is. What it's is a it? sweet number, isn't it? Where is it? It's a side. It's, um, go on, Russell. No, I'm trying to work out. I can't work out, man. Oh, no, it was right away from the badge. I oh, can't make you... it, but my eyesight's terrible, man. St Etienne home strip. Oh, of course. Yeah. Ali Lever, Russell. Lever, yeah. Yeah. Like that. No, that's smart. It's not too bad. Right. They were in the 1976 European <laughs> All the fans were singing Ali Lever. Ali. <laughs> He's abandoned the United States. Lost to Bayern Munich, unfortunately, but there you go. But yes. But now, Bournemouth defeat to Brentford in the playoffs on Saturday seems to have accelerated that process, right? Yeah. So a key part of this deal is now the arrival, possibly, of Stephen Purchase and Simon Weatherston, who was the backroom, who was Eddie Howe's backroom team at Bournemouth. Right. It seems to be this big summer rebuild planned, obviously, and they're in the frame to be joining Eddie Howe. I think Dominic Mackay wants to kind of introduce them all together, perchance, which maybe say that it's going to be at the end of the week. And also, there's rumours that Richard Hughes is also wanting to join the party as the DOF. Known uproot his family from 
from down south. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's all kind of positive press now. And when, when papers at the record and stuff are saying it, you tend to find, tend to think that that's been, they've been tipped some kind of wink and that it is a done deal and it is a matter of now just w- when, when that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Are you happy about the fact that we spoke about this before, but that Eddie Howe is bringing in, he's, he's, uh, he's tried and trusted lieutenants. Are you happy with that, Amy? Absolutely. You know, it's been something that we spoke about so much throughout the season with Lennon that one of the mitigating factors, whatever you want to say, was the fact that he never had his own team and he never got to pick his own team at all. Any manager, no, it doesn't, I'm not just even picking on Lennon, you want them to be working with guys that they know inside out. Success for, for Neil Lennon the first time round because, you know, he's turning to, to Alan Thompson, to Johan Miel, but even Gary Parker was in the setup. Guys that you know, you've got to, you know yourself, when if you go into a job, you're, you're wanting your support network beside you. You don't want people that you don't know, you don't know what, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, do they bounce off you, do they not? Any, you don't even need to look in football management, just management as a whole, a working environment. You work better at your own work if you're working with people that you enjoy working with, people you're friends, you get along with. So it's vital to a good and happy environment. And that's what we spoke about as well, that there's been a real lack of unity in the Celtic side this season. And it doesn't just mean the side, it includes the staff and includes the, the backroom team and, and everything at the at that club. And at the top of that is obviously the manager. And if he's not happy with, like you see, his next line of, of management is next line of support network then it's just going to filter down, filter down and it's never, the, the cracks are just going to get bigger and bigger, it's not going to seal so it is vital of course that, that Howe brings in his own trusted team and maybe to us right now it might not look that a name or whatever we might be like, oh I don't know them but as long as he backs them and he supports them and he feels he's getting something out of them, then it's a success It's the yeah. same, way if you, same way if you guys don't like who's leading this pod you can always <laughs> Colton's head, you know. So Russell, carry on. I, I think no, no. You're fine. I think um, there's two sides to it. Amy's saying no, I, I agree with that. I think the guys that are below how he needs to know that he can trust. You know what I mean? He needs to know that the team. I think there's a, a bit of a divide in the in the support about whether it's appropriate. But he appoints his own director of football because that then means the guy you could say above you or you could say alongside you, whatever you want to say is actually cherry-picked by you as well, thus creating an invincible, good word, environment, mm-hmm. right? Whereas, are you getting the same scrutiny uh, as you would before as a director of football or targeting the director of footballer's choices for the football team that he thinks would be persons of interest, we'll come to that later, or is it the manager who's actually kind of just choosing them all but saying, oh, it's the director of football who did it, look, we've got a director of football here, like it's him who's doing it, and I I think there's a wee bit of I think there's two sides to that, that that aspect of it that I'm not I'm not quite sure where I sit. I think the backroom team thing you're absolutely right, Amy. I think Neil Lennon um, hung himself out to dry by not standing up for himself when he was offered the job and demanding that he did bring in you know whether it was they had to push and shove about maybe getting a couple of members of himself that you at least are going to need a couple of guys that you know you can count on. And I felt that that was his own doing, though. He was offered the job. You were not, you know, he didn't need to take the job. He chose to take it. So my sympathy begins and ends quite quickly with that one. But I certainly think what we did learn from it is that it's not a, it's not a concept that works. It doesn't work. They need, they need to know their team. Um, I think especially, or at least the vast, vast majority of it, do they need to hire the director of football as the, as the, the poser I would put out there, though? Well, Fergal Harkin rumour's not gone away. So yep. there's every chance it could still be Fergal Harkin, which, on your point, Russell, would probably please you because that wouldn't be someone who Eddie Howe could maybe manipulate and control like Richard yep. Hughes and that kind of uh, the identification of players. So that's possibly... I mean, it's not gone away, the Fergal Harkin one, so it could still possibly be Fergal Harkin. What do you think about that, Amy? As you say, that's not gone away. So when something sort of, it's, it's just nesting around. It's just, it's hanging around, kind of like a bad smell, but it's there. So there there could be something there um, and within it. But as you say, as, and I, I totally agree with Russell, when it's, I, I was obviously talking about, like you say, that next line, like below you and yeah. 
your assistant manager, your first and coach and all of that. But when it comes to, as you say, almost your boss, you're handpicking your boss, then and that's a totally different ballgame. Um, as you say, you could just say, oh, director of football appointed this or selected this player, but no, the manager really did. So there has to be a little bit of a balance. Um, and in the same way that really probably within how's backroom team, we would probably like somebody with some sort of Celtic connection as well. You'd like to see, I don't know if it'd be like a Stephen McManus promoted or a Mark Burchall. You, that, that's the sort of thing as well. So there's there's little gaps and cracks in every every, every little statement. But I think Harkin, like you say, he's got the experience. He certainly holds a decent enough CV. Um, and again, it'd be something, like you say, breaking away from that mould of being housed man, but also coming in and doing the job and not being a novice because it's a difficult sort of job and of especially up here it's it's one of those ones that not everybody really knows exactly what it is and you try and speak to people who have perhaps been in that director of football, football director sort of role what exactly is your role and everyone has a different sort of determination of it because mm-hmm. it is still such a flexible role and it, it, it will come with the relationship, the partnership and whatever the club does decide what they want that, that individual to do but I, I definitely wouldn't, wouldn't be huffing and puffing if it was Harkin, not at all, Harkin sorry Peter, Can I just do one more thing on that? Yeah, I can one. one more wee thing on that, right, is see if it's Richard Hughes and we all envisage that if Eddie Howe takes the job, he will naturally, like Rogers before him, does well and then ends up in the EPL. Hughes is going to go with him. Yeah. That's the, that's the thing. If it's someone else, it's a Harkin. You've now got at least some of the structure still in place and we're not having to start with a a clean deck like we are right now, which has caused panic, let's be honest, when we've all realised we're having to start from scratch again. So I think that, again, would add to the to the argument that perhaps I think Harkin would be a, a safer bet in the sense that I think he could then be the continuous... This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Person there, if how well to be attracted to the Premier League in a few years' time. We can always ask Peter Law what the definition of a DOF is, can we? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, indeed. Right. Also, with uh, with new guys coming in, there's always going to be transfer talk and speculation and stuff like that. But I wanted to throw some names at you here because I want, I mean, speak maybe possibly in depth about a couple of targets that Celtic have been linked with. And my first one, I saw your tweet the other night, Russell, and it's, for me, it's a, it's a no-brainer for Celtic to eat, just inquire, because he is now a massive person of interest, but not just to Celtic, but seemingly it's, there was a story up here that he's now got maybe 31 clubs interested in him and some concrete offers as well. And the player I'm talking about is Ryan Gold, who was unlucky not to make the Scotland squad for the Euros. But you're an admirer, Russell, aren't you? And you think it's something that we could possibly do. Because I think Ryan Gold is now hitting his peak years as a footballer. And if you get a player who's hitting their peak years as a footballer to perform for Celtic, you have won a watch. 
I think I think you know yeah he, he, my memory goes back to when he was you know that he was getting heralded as the mini Messi and all that stuff and I, I know it was hype and all that but he was seriously impressive eighteen year old player on that Dundee United first team remember he's the one that cost more than Armstrong cost more than Mackay Stephen more than Chiffy more than Robertson the lot yeah, the big bucks are paid on him by Sport in Lisbon who I think inserted a forty eight million pound release clause yeah. something <laughs> like that anyway which gives you an insight into they thought. Wow, there's a player here. Didn't work out. But the flip side is I love that about Gold. 19, 20 years old and he goes to Portugal. It's a bold move that not enough Scottish-based or maybe they don't get the offer, but I mean, not enough. I don't think enough UK-based players. I think it harms the English team as well that they don't have enough players based abroad. Um, and I think he's learned a lot of life skills. I think he's obviously finally found his, um, the right club, shall we say, at this moment in time for him, which was Ferenc. I think he had nine goals, seven assists. And the Portuguese top flight, let's be honest, is ahead of the SPFL. It is. In terms of the quality throughout the league, it is a different, it is a, it is a better league to be competing in. And with a different style of football, which is brilliant to come everywhere to be able to attract him back for him to have under his belt. As you say, he's 25 now. He is coming into his peak years. There's no transfer fee because they got relegated, I believe, that you can get him in a free transfer. You talk about persons of interest. That should be someone you're looking at can impact your first team straight away. And if we yep. can get him on a free transfer, that should be increasing whatever wage budget you would have set aside for Orion Gold normally. Invest it then in that if you're needing to put together a more attractive package than, say, let's say, for example, a Norwich City or something like that we're in for and that type of... It always seems to be teams like Norwich who are competing with, man. It does my head in. But it wouldn't surprise you if clubs like that were interested. How would you make or break the deal? Well, the fact he's not costing you anything in fees, we should be then able to, you know, to put something, something extra into a, in a, in an attractive sort of salary package for, for Ryan Gold, and he would definitely interest me. I tell you something about Ryan Gold. Ryan Gold was telling journals like myself when he was seventeen, eighteen, he wanted to go away abroad. Yeah. When he was at his hype, you know, with Dundee United. Yeah. And many Messi and all that, and he and he sat and he told us, "I want to go abroad and play." And people say, oh, is that not something you want to do You know, when you're older? And he went, no, I want to do it right now. He said, if the right offer comes in and it's attractive to go, and this is again, a 17-year-old football read, and I, I thought, that's utterly brilliant. I loved hearing that, not because I wanted him to leave Scotland, but I just loved his ambition. Yeah. Just, I want to learn a new style of football. I want to learn a new culture. And then last week on the Monday Club, I told the Eric Dyer's dad story, learn the language and all right. that, and he, he embraced himself. You know, that, that's what he did, and, and, and he's loved it, which is why he stayed. Because if you can't get a game for Sport in Lisbon, you might think, I'm going home. You know, all the time. That's your comfort zone, isn't it? That's your comfort blanket. Oh, spit the dummy, I'm going home. But he hasn't. He's played for a, a unfashionable Portuguese club, and he's made his mark, and he's done terrifically well. Now, I know I say a lot of time, but that has to be a person of interest for Celtic. They have to be in there competing with everybody, those 30 clubs. I think English clubs, MLS clubs are in from, but Go and get him. Go if you you know because he's somebody if you can entice him home, and he might that might be the carrot that brings him home because he's coming to a top club. You know that, Amy? What do you think? Yeah, I think you're spotting on everything you say. I'd, I was another advocate. I really wanted them in the, the Scotland squad, and I do think he's probably been a little bit hard done by. You look at the stats, you watch the videos, and you know that's the beauty of social media now. There are so many videos out there about him, Jack Hendry. Nobody can, you can't sit and be ignorant and say, oh, I don't know what he's like. No, because it's there for you. The footage is there for you now. Mm-hmm. So, and there are a lot of great, like, Scots Abroad sort of accounts out there, and there's plenty out there to see this, who this sort of player is and what he's built into. Moment, like probably Quam and as is that he had that little loan spell at Hibs, didn't he? Um, and he and he really really struggled uh, for, with the physicality of the game. He did get injured as well, yeah. It was definitely carrying a little bit of injury. I just, I fear that obviously, in, in the clips that I've watched as well of him, he is, he's technically brilliant. He, he certainly is, and, and we knew that when he was at Dundee United, and he's, he's quick on his feet. But is he really what Celtic are looking for right now? Is he going to come in and, you know, and start ahead of Turnbull? Because I think in that sort of role, it'd be between him and Turnbull. Turnbull goes to the Euros and Gold doesn't. And I know that's not a determinant factor. I appreciate yeah. that. Because you look at the last time that Ryan Christie's getting selected for Scotland, but 
David Turnbull's ahead of him in the first team. So there's there's no real rhyme or reason to that. But I just feel right now, I think it's the deeper midfield role that Celtic could possibly be needing to, to strengthen in, the, the Brown-esque sort of role. But as you say, if there's a time to go for goal, that is now. He, he's, he'll be on a free. Like you yeah. say, if there's anything that can entice him back to Scotland, if he has got ambitions, maybe he is feeling right now, I need to come back home to, to get a look in the Scotland setup. He's doing everything he possibly can abroad. As you say, he's been that different sort of model, being the guy abroad that we don't have a lot of. Jack Henry's different because he's still on loan from Celtic. There's still that connection. But he has been that little bit different. Fair play, and like you say, at such a young age, it's like my age going out to Portugal. That's I wouldn't be doing that. Um, so, so fair play, um, but I just feel maybe, like you say, that there's that carrot on the end of the stick that's a big club going to be coming in from in Celtic. There's European football as well, hopefully, where he can showcase his skills. And then, as you say as well, then there's the, the potential Scotland call-ups. Amy, you got your dream transfer in a Monday club. The Monday club's your only club I ever wanted to play for. I mean, I'm waiting for that speech, you know. So (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned a Scott Brown replacement, which brings me on to the next target. And this is the one that polarises and divides opinion among Celtic supporters. But I wanted to get your thoughts. And we've touched on briefly and we've spoke about but Lewis Ferguson, who's just handed in a transfer request to Aberdeen. Now, my thoughts are you don't do that if you think something's afoot. Now, he's only going to sign for two clubs, isn't he? Or one of two clubs. So, is there interest from Celtic or Rangers? And if there's interest from Celtic, maybe Eddie Howe's asked what's under his nose. And that's been put, a file has been put his way to say, here's a person of interest, Russell. You know, and I know your thoughts, Russell. I think you would have him in a heartbeat, would you not? Absolutely. I think he's I think he's still a bit raw at times and all that, but I kinda like that anyway. I think Celtic have been Celtic have been, you know, lacking players that have been a bit raw this season, to be perfectly honest with you. You know, I'd like to see someone do something but unpredictable that might be a bit rash. It'd be nice to see someone actually care at times, you know. It's been all too all too polite and nice for me and accepting defeat where I think someone like him with a real coaching staff has the 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 potential and probably is of maybe not it's not the same flair, funnily enough, that Scott Brown had when he was at Hibs because Scott Brown used to be a box to box. He used to do tricks. So everyone used to remember it and think, this guy's going to come in and it'll lighten the place up. We know what he moulded into. I see no reason why Lewis Bergson couldn't be coming in to try and get that, get, try and become the number one sitting midfielder at Celtic. I think for all his male sorrows, had a lot of praise. I still think he's flattered to deceive the coaching staff on, on various coaching staff at time now at times now as well. And um, there was a reason he was pulled back out of the team. And then we've touched on sentimentality. There was then other games where you went, well that's just been a basic straight shootout and Scott Brown is still ahead of you in the pecking order, I'm afraid. So I would definitely think that he can't be counted on as the the only sort of defined sitting midfielder next season. And I know this person gets more forward and all that right now. But I think he could be moulded into that sort of role. Um, my concern with the transfer request is very, it reminds me of Jamie Murphy um, when he was at Brighton. Um, known Rangers man or whatever, Rangers sniffed about, couldn't afford them. He handed in his transfer fee and drove the price down. I think it was at 1.2 million over about 40 years. And that's how, you know, that's how they could afford them. I think um, I, I think there could be a bit of that involved right now that he's, he's, he's had a whiff that there could be interest from. I'm sure we're his boyhood heroes and I don't, you know, you can't blame him for that and this might be the first attempt at driving that price down. We only need to look at his teammate, Scott McKenna, to find out Aberdeen do deals when they have unhappy players. They rejected £6 million for Scott McKenna and they sold him for about three. That may well be Lewis Ferguson's way of thinking right now that he could, he could drive his price down and make himself an affordable person of interest to the mm. other side of the city. Um, whereas if I was Celtic, I would gazump that right now, meet the asking price, get him in, and what a statement signing he would be. Folk and kid on, he's like, oh, he's only done it in the SPFL. Firstly, his name, whether we like it or not, is massive in Scottish football. End of story. It's synonymous with Scottish football when you look at, you know, Barry Ferguson's achievements alone. His uncle, Derek Ferguson, a lot reckon were a better player than, than Barry went before, you know, I think injury curtailed his career. This guy is staunch. <laughs> You sign him at Celtic at his box office for more reasons than just what he can do in the pitch, which I would still say are my predominant 
reasons for wanting him would be what I think he could bring on the pitch. But I think the other stuff as well, it's statement signing that we're still the biggest team in the country and you need to do that sometimes. You sign good players, Russell. That's the only signing policy that Celtic should yep. have, right? It's the only one. And in my opinion, humble as it may be, Lewis Ferguson's a good player because I've watched him graduate from Hamilton to Aberdeen and play for the Scotland 21s and he's got a bit of needle and a bit of dig, something, as you said, that was missing from Celtic last season. You know, that huge heart, you know, and he's something yeah. to put into a lot of Celtic players and a lot of Celtic fans have rightfully went mental, but, you know, a bit, a bit of devilment. You know that, as you said, I like that. If it can be channeled in the right way, that aggression, and then playing for a club like Celtic, you'll become a better player. You will. You'll be playing with better players and you will be coached by a better manager if it's Eddie Howe. So that's my thought process on that. Amy, your thoughts on Lewis Ferguson possibly coming to Celtic? I see. He's definitely got that big grit and there's no denying it. Like he's stuck the boot in it. A few, a few Celtic players. I don't know. I am... Um, I just... Think he when I was getting into football and Barry Ferguson, I really do, and he's also a Kelly Hearts. Um, but I just, uh, <laughs> I do, I just think uh, I, I don't know. I would much rather Celtic go for Alan Campbell. I really would. Um, and he is a slightly different role. I appreciate that. And well, if there is anybody out there who were wanting to exactly fill that Lewis Ferguson, uh, sorry, the Scott Brown role, it probably is Lewis Ferguson. Um, I totally get what you're saying. Would you sign both? Would I sign both? As if I was going for Russell's stance that like we're still the biggest club in the country and wanting to prove a point, then yes, I would. But would it just be signed? Would it be for that purpose? Was it like when we signed Scott Allen to kind of just prove that we were like still the biggest club in the country? Because I think there was a little bit of that in Allen. I still think that Allen could have been a player, um, yeah, yeah. and I, I think I actually think Hibs made a massive mistake this season sending him. Uh, up north on loan I think they really could have done them. I appreciate everything that he's went through um, and I know that's that's sadly kind of underlined the last few years of his career but there, there, there's no denying there certainly was a bit of that in the Allen deal just to, to prove no we're, we're still the big guns and, and we can attract anybody so there would be but I think if we signed them both it would purely be for that I much prefer Alan Campbell I really have for a few years I think for for a few years now everybody can sort of see the, the player that he was um, and Motherwell have done extremely well to hold on as long as as long as they have mm-hmm. you could have said the same about Trimble as well there, there's certainly something in the water there that they're doing right but if it was down to me and I could only choose one or the other I, I would certainly go for Alan Campbell I just think he's he's technically that little bit better as well his physique is fantastic um, and he's just got he's got the grit that Ferguson has as well I think Ferguson maybe has four or five red cards in him in a season but I like to think that Campbell's got a little bit maybe the head screwed on still a little bit more but again that could just be me going to the Ferguson name so if we do get Campbell if we did sign Campbell and Ferguson do you know the beauty of it just talking about the Scott Allen thing was inexpensive mistakes if it doesn't work out and look how exp- many expensive mistakes we've made of unknown quantities that have been expected to stroll into our first team and haven't fit the bill so I take Amy's point. I think if you know Amy's obviously watched more of Campbell than I have. I, you know, if, if you think Campbell's a better bet, sign them both. Uh, Campbell's available on a free transfer. I would also use the caveat that if you brought in Campbell, there'd be a, re- a reunification with Turnbull, and the two of them produced Good a football with Motherwell, right? Which earned Turnbull the move because he was his trusted lieutenant, Alan Campbell. So, you know, sometimes guys just function around certain players. And Campbell and Turnbull worked at Motherwell, you know, so I, I think as well that I would sign them both given the chance because you say, Russell, it's not, wouldn't be an inexpensive mistake. You know, now you can, I can hear the people, oh, they're no Celtic class. <laughs> I can hear it now, you know, but if you are asking about Eddie Howe's going to come in and say, who are the persons of interest under my nose, then you're going to hand them those kind of names, aren't you? Because I watched that cup final on Saturday and I've got to be honest, the likes of Doig, Nisbet and all these players, they let themselves down badly in the big stage. The one that shone for me was Jason Kerr, who's yeah. another one that's been thrown into the frame, right? So if you're watching that, you would sign a guy like that before Doig, Boyle, sorry, hey, Doig, Boyle or uh, Nisbet. That, yeah. That's me personally, right? You know, so if you're going to compile a list of players that are persons of interest in your own country, then... Those guys are on it. Campbell, Ferguson, Kerr are on it. 
and maybe a backup list of Doig, you know, uh, Boyle and Nisbet, but you're more inclined to focus on the former three as opposed to the latter. Because that, sure. that was a big stage and Hibs didn't turn up and the flair players just never turned up. And you're looking no. for something more than that. If you're going to go and watch them and say, this is your stage, show me why you should get a move to a bigger club or a bigger stage. I've got a couple of points. I just think, like, see, like when I watched the cup final, I was bitterly disappointed, to be honest, with Simon Lennon there. But I was, I was disappointed that, um, like, with, with, I mean, these guys. I mean, George Doig was instantly three million pound price tag slapped on him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I am telling you, it exists. There are more fashionable clubs to buy players from mm-hmm. than others. Now, Natasha Phillips said yesterday on the show about the uh, the goal scorer whose name Rooney. Uh, the goal scorer for St Johnston, she says, you know, I, I, I predicted he might do what he did, etc. She goes, and you know, he could, we, we would have loved to have seen right backs doing that for Celtic this season. And quickly was his, she quickly added instinctively, I'm not saying he should be Celtic's first choice right back. But I actually would flip that and go, but if he'd done that in the hips shut, we would instantly be saying Celtic yeah, yeah. should be signing him as first choice. But it's yeah. because there are, and I think there's, Real snobbery that exists in football that we we all might have a bit of that we can't we can't help. Am I elevating Lewis Ferguson above Alan Campbell because one plays for Aberdeen and one's at Motherwell? Probably. Well, on Probably. that point, David Kelly, and thanks to people that are tuning in and uh, subscribing and putting in their comments on the Facebook and YouTube channels. David Kelly says, "I'd take Rooney if he's cheap. We need two right backs." So there you go, that which is the point that you've just made there, yeah. So he scored the winner in two cup finals, Amy. Do you think he's worth a punt? Or? Yeah, I definitely think Russell's spot on as well. That there is a little bit of snobbery because we're, we're talking about these midfielders as well. And um, I'm lucky enough that a guy actually I go to uni with has played with him since um, I think they played at Hutchie Vale together or something like that. But there's a snobbery with Alan McCann. Why are we not talking about Alan McCann? Alan McCann has been St Johnson's standout player this season. I, and I'm, I'd, I'd argue that with anybody, I really would. Shrooney's been exceptional, he really has. Of course, he, he scored in two two finals. Jason Kerr's been phenomenal. Um, he's a local Atty here as well, so I've known about J- Jason Kerr for years. Um, but Alan McCann has been absolutely superb. He's 21 years of age. He's, it was a joke that he wasn't on your Young Player of the Year, whatever malarkey these awards are. Mm-hmm. Um, he is totally and utterly been a standout. It's also a, such a big miss already that he's um, he's pledged his allegiance to um, Northern Ireland. It's going to be a massive miss for Scotland. But th- there is a snobbery. We're, we're talking about Alan Campbell. If, like As Russell says, if Alan McCann was... Like you say, Martin Boyle at the weekend. If he was on that hip side, we'd be going, sign him. Like you say, if Rooney was Doig, if Rooney was Stevenson, we'd be going, sign him. Yeah. Lou Stevenson had to be brought on the other day to, to save Josh yeah. Doig, really. And, and I have been impressed by Doig, and he is a, he's a really young guy as well. But yeah. he, 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 wasn't, he wasn't at the races on, on Saturday, he really wasn't. I mean, I take your point about Alan McCann, but I'm also saying that see if Celtic are doing their homework and they're scouting, and Alan McCann, Alan McCann will be on our list as well, or he should be. Right. It's all these, you know, persons of interest I keep going back to, but you, you've got to compile a list and say, right, there's bang, 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 bang. These are guys that, you know, and Alan McCann would certainly be on that list. Alan McCann and Jason Kerr for me in that Jason team. Possibly, possibly Rooney, right? So, yeah. as you say, does it come back to the snobbery thing again? And, that, and I mentioned that a while ago. It's the whole, he's no Celtic class or they'll not take you to the next level. How do you know that? Absolutely. I mean, I, mean, I, I find things like that pretty disingenuous and nonsense, to be honest. You know, certain players will step up to the plate. It's to it's be given that platform. And also, as well, they know the stages that they're playing at. They know the grounds. They know the teams. So yep. they get a chance to thrive and prosper because they know where they're going. All it is is a step up in class when they play European opposition. But that, surely that's why you're a footballer. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's what you're reaching for. That's... That's what I'm talking about at the start. You know what I mean? You, you're aspiring to those levels. So every player is chasing that. So you try to tell me that if Celtic didn't sign Alan McCann, he wouldn't get better. Try to tell me if Celtic didn't sign Alan Campbell, he wouldn't get better. Try to tell me if he didn't sign Lewis Ferguson, they wouldn't get better. Of course they would. It's natural progression in their career. And then it makes them puff their chest out. Celtic have just signed me. I'm going to show everybody what I can do. Which well, not enough players have done, Tony. 
Yeah. Not enough players signed yeah. have done that exactly what you just described there. Sorry to interject, but that no. is that is it in a nutshell. Not enough players we have signed have meant wow. I'm playing for Celtic, and that we have to. We're going to need to go back to basics a wee bit with that that signing policy. I think we got too clever for our own good with it, and started thinking just about the spondulies, how we're going to make the cash. Thinking, oh, there's a jazzy name from an unknown league. Yeah, how clever are we signing Bayo from the Slovakian league? How clever are we signing Klamala from there? They'll come to Celtic, score thirty goals. We're going to need to give these guys two years to adapt to the league, and even then, luckily with Klamala, we get the money back. Bio, who knows where that's going to go, but it ain't going to be in the first team anyway for us. I don't see that. And I just think as well, see the thing was with the Jason Kerr interview after the game. Wow. What he just came over as a captain. Like I was well impressed. I just thought, you're not telling me a guy with that mindset mentality. Andrew on the pitch just put in the display I've just seen couldn't make that step up in time at a bigger club. Of course he could. Just a born leader. I mean, he doesn't necessarily have to be a captain, but a leader in your team, which we didn't have this season, with a lack of leadership. Yeah. A lack of people leading from the front or rolling the sleeves up or just saying, right, let's get tore in about it. I mean, do you agree with that image, you think? That's yeah, I absolutely do agree. And it's kind of what you're saying is, and I actually I appreciate he's, he's split among the hip support, but just we were watching the cup final, um, and Tony, you'll probably know him better, better than us as well. I've this whole season, I've been really impressed by Alex Gogic at, um, at Hibs. I don't think this season, uh, sorry, I don't think on, on Saturday he maybe didn't shiver himself in glory, but I, I honestly, I said to my dad, I was like, Hibs have, Hibs have got a bargain there. We knew what he was doing at Hamilton, sorry. He was doing all the dirty work. And as we see, right, he maybe wasn't the, the big glamour signing that we were after, but would he put in 110% in a Celtic shirt? Would he improve in a Celtic shirt? He certainly improved in Hibs. He's got those international call-ups. He's clearly loving his, his football, playing at that bigger club. And being at that bigger club, you can see he's grown into it. Um, I, I really was. I've been impressed by him this whole season. I really have, and it's not as a surprise because, as we said, these guys are right under our nose. As we're seeing with, you know, Alan McCann or Scott Allen, these guys. We are watching them week in, week out, and if we as fans can sort of take that all in by watching snippets, we are watching, you know, sports scene, or we are watching little clips on YouTube mm-hmm. or whatever it may be on Twitter. These. Um, like you say, these recruitment processes should have so much more on these guys. And if we can have these sort of opinions with evidence, it's not just having an opinion and saying, oh, I think we should sign him after one game. No, it's having a it's having a catalogue of evidence here. Then, as you say, no player in Scotland should be going under Celtic's nose. Yeah, Stephen T comes in saying, Ferguson, never, nowhere near what we require. Well, that's that's another man's opinion, so he's entitled to that. So that, that's fair enough. I think the clue in Stephen's comment, though, is the fact he says never. If it's never, then that doesn't really matter about his ability. You've already made your mind up. So I'm going I'm to push back a wee bit on that one. Like, Here's one I'm going to throw at you, which you might not be totally aware of, but Josh King, Everton. Now, this is a player who revitalised his career under Eddie Howe at Bournemouth. Yep. He scored 53 goals and 19 assists and 180 appearances, you know, but he's only played 137 minutes for Everton and 11 sub appearances. Now, he's been capped 54 times, you know, for Norway. And I just think, you no, know, joining the dots, if Eddie Howe can convince him to come up, it could be Edward like, you know, he's got that kind of ability to play. And, you know, you've seen it before. And I'm not saying he's a replacement for Edward, but you need to find somebody of quality to produce that amount of goals that's that, that's leaving. You know, if we're conceding that Edward will and probably go. Now, Josh King, to me, is a massive person of interest. And I think the How connection could swing it. And I think Ancelotti's decide because he's out of contract and Ancelotti's going to decide in the next week or so what can happen. So hopefully, Eddie Howe maybe get in there and no, take him and say to him, look, come up here, reinvent yourself again, and then a couple of years, could maybe walk back into the Premiership again. Yeah, I, th- I think he would have Chris Sutton vibes. I think that would be what would stick out to me. I think it would be someone that would try to rebuild after maybe a couple yeah. of years in the Premier League wilderness, despite though, a proven track record. Also, previous to that, in the Premier League itself. So, 
that would be, and then working with someone that you know as well, like Eddie Howe, who you're absolutely right, he had at Bournemouth for a, a long period of time. 54 cats for Norway, absolutely no mug. And if I remember correctly, three months ago, eh, three months ago, three years ago, was like the Man United. Yeah. He's from Norwegian, isn't he? Aye. 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 King's Norwegian, definitely. Aye. I started, I thought I'd... Uh, <laughs> no, he's Norwegian. Right, cool. I, I thought I'd... Uh, a memory blank a little bit. No, uh, no, no, he's Norwegian. And also, if he comes, he could maybe... Persuade Chris Ayer to stay if he really must, you know. <laughs> yeah. Give me your thoughts on Josh King. Have, have you know much about him? Have you been keeping tabs on that? Or is it somebody you would like to see come north of the border? Yeah, absolutely. I think we said just before we came on here, we, we've definitely been linked to him before. Of course, we've been linked to every striker up and down the country. <laughs> but I, um, I, I, I certainly would take him. I think you'd, you'd hope you'd sort of get Scott Sinclair sort of vibes that under his manager mm-hmm. under Eddie Howe, that, that he would, like you say, sort of rejuvenate himself as Sinclair just sort of performs always under Rodgers. I understand there's a few comments coming on, obviously saying that he's, he is a little bit injury prone. Um, and that that's the risk you take, of course it is. And, but he's still 29. It's, it's not, he's not a granddad, you know. He's, um, he's, he's still at a decent enough age. And I, I, I would take a, a punt on him. I really would. He's, He's proved it before, he certainly has. I think he's about six years at Bournemouth. He was there for a, a fair amount of time and he, he struck up a good partnership. There, there was Callum Wilson down there as well. There was a decent, decent team. Mm. So I, I would like to look at him. And as we're saying Eddie Hill will be looking to you know his sort of staff. He'll be looking to his sort of players as well. And if he thinks he can rely on him, then that's who he's going to go to. You know, Everybody knew of Scott Sinclair, but if you looked at Scott Sinclair's track record just before coming to Celtic, there were many fans that were like, oh, he's done, he's dusted, he's been there, done that, and it's not working out. He's injury prone, he's this, he's that. He had that decent stint at Swansea, whatever. Folded at Villa, flopped at Villa, all of this sort of stuff. So you're going to have that reaction no matter what because there's going to be people out there who think they know better. But as we're saying, if you're thinking that how he's going to look to his staff, he's also going to want to look to his players, players he can trust because ultimately it's all about trust. Also, I think as well, guys come up, you know, maybe wary at first, but try it. You'll love it. That's what I think. You cannot fail if you're a striker at Celtic, really. You know, you, you have to go some to fail. I know you're... I'm talking Cascarino esque and things like that. Also, uh, you know, and a few. You're a good job to do. <laughs> I know, but and a poor team. But all being equal, if you get the managers and all that, you will you will love it up here. He will be. I mean, Josh King could really reinvent himself under, as Amy says, somebody that he trusts, and that's what it, that's. What I mean, Scott Sinclair had the ground running at Tyne Castle. And that just carried him that day. He scored in his yep. debut, and it just bought him every bit of time that he could. But realised in that moment, this is magic. You know, this yeah. is absolutely magic. He got it. He kind of got it then. You know, and I think players like Josh King, who you see, you see an upward there. They're in the wilderness. You need to feel wanted. You need to feel loved. Come up here. You know, Celtic fans will love you if you get it. You know, Musa's part. Musa Dembele's. Proof of that. You know, yeah. tweet, tweeting the other day about how Celtic are still champions and real invincibles and, you know, I'm a champion still and you're champion. So that kind of stuff still, still has it in his heart. It's, it's left an indelible mark. So that's yeah. what you want to say to guys like that. Come up here. Give it a try. You do well. You'll be a legend. You'll be a hero. They'll love you. You'll, you'll love it as well. So I, I would, yeah. uh, I'm all for that, for Josh King and getting trusted players tried and tested that have been there and done it and maybe just lost their way a wee bit and just in need of reinvention. Well, I'm sure that I'm sure that the vast majority of that Bournemouth squad that Amy was ringing a few names yeah. from there as well. I mean, I think they all still hold Eddie Howe in yeah. the highest of high regards, you know, and I think as much as sometimes the, the Celtic thing, it's, it shouldn't be a difficult sell, but sometimes when players are used to the, the likes of the Premier League and all that, it can be. I then flip that and think, you know, Eddie Howe, if Eddie Howe's going up there, Eddie Howe just needs to say to Josh King, "You're coming." I think this is where we're going. Like, and I think he would. I think he would have complete faith that that was the right decision because you've built up six years of trust with a guy who's done nothing but be good for your career so far. Why would he lead you up the garden path now? So I think it's very realistic. Yeah, of course. You agree with that, Amy? I, I'm, yeah, I'm absolutely. That, yeah. 
Absolutely, I'm on board. And another one that talk about some incomes, but an outgoing that King that perplexed me. I, everybody knows where I stand on Christopher Iyer, right? I've voiced my opinions on it uh, often enough, okay? But I don't, and I don't say, but seemingly Newcastle our talks are advancing for a deal for eight million quid. Now, if you're me and you're Celtic, I'm saying no to that. Despite the fact I don't particularly rate Ayer, but I still think that if people rate him as the player that he's supposed to be, then you're talking between 10 and 12 million before you even get round the table. That's my own personal thoughts on that. And maybe he is, out of the players that are supposed to believe in, the one that Eddie Howe could possibly convince to stay. You know, if if he wants to. You know, but 8 million, I think, cheap for a, a Celtic player to go to the EPL and I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be encouraging Newcastle for that price. Ten, twelve, yeah, I think that's be a decent return on your adve- investment. Uh, your thoughts guys, come to you first, Russell. Yeah, I mean I don't know if Emil if it was before Amy's time or not, but Newcastle signed a centre back from Rangers for eight million pounds about eighteen years ago. Boomsong. So that tells you yeah, John Elaine Boomsong, so that tells you how you know, low in terms of transfer fees that is when you think in that 18 years time the money that has developed in the English Premier League since then is it is multiplied at a rate of knots even then you couldn't have envisaged so how they're still throwing ballpark fees around that are the same as nearly two decades ago two, two decades ago for one half of the of the Glasgow rivalry's best centre-backs uh, I'm not having that I think it is low I'm I'm, I'm I'm not, you know, overly worried if Chris Iyer does leave. I think, I think you've made that clear, Tony. I mean, I, I, I think right now he'd be a bit of stability compared to, you know, everyone else is leaving. It seems so. You might want to keep him, but if he is going to go, make sure you get the right money. And this day and age, an EPL team, eight million, eight million pays a player's wages there for a year. That's it. So eight million pounds is derisory as far as I'm concerned, and, and yeah, be knocked at the park. Amy. Yeah, eight million. Eight million's a slap in the face, it really is. Um, no matter, like you say, what, what you think of Ayer or whatever, you look at the the, the figures getting chucked about in the market right now, and I know we could rattle off a, a few and say, like, oh, this is a disgrace or whatever. Ayer's still young, still got that potential. You're not you're not selling a 30-year-old centre-and-a-half who's coming towards the end of his career. No, Newcastle or whoever it may be will get him coming into his prime and they'll be looking at for for the longevity of, of that career then. At 23 years old, he's, he's still remarkably young and he's just turned 23. So eight million is, I, I think it's a massive slap in the face. And if Celtic accepted anything like that, you know, we're talking about disconnect with the fans. I think that'd be an absolute disaster. I really do. I think it would be, I think it could be a, a severe backlash to that because you're talking, let's say one of the, the biggest assets right now, as Russell said, look at the amount of players that we are leave, um, are losing, sorry, are set to be losing. You look at the backlash of all, all the comments for um, for Olivier and Cham right now as well. You know, if that's happened to Cham, a player who's not been anywhere near the setup, but then you look at Ayer, who's arguably been player of the season this season. I know that's not a great title to hold, but it's. Um, It'd be more than disappointing. It certainly would be. So yeah, for eight million, I think it's a disgrace. And you look at, like I say, you just you just look at the other the other figures getting chucked about. You know, twenty million for X, Y, and Z. You you, you don't need to be naming names. It's it's a it's a it's a joke to be honest. Anyway, it's a dangerous precedent as well. Because like you just said, there loads of players are leaving. We become easy pickings if the first sale that you make in the summer is an eight million pound Chris Ayer. What then bid do we get for Edward? Exactly. We all know it's going to be a lot less than what we'd all hoped for a couple of seasons back, but that's just driving down the price tag of all our players that are going to be available this summer. It'd be a very, very dangerous early summer sale to make Chris Iyer at £8 million. And also, why why is it that Celtic, when they're selling players, they're low-balled, but whenever there's interest shown by Celtic for anyone else's, they're high-balled? You know, I, I, I mean, why have Celtic allowed that to happen? Exactly, and that's just what mm-hmm. I was saying. It's just it's continuing then that poor precedent that you're set, setting. Yeah, you know, so why 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 is Lewis Ferguson three million quid or, or, or whatever, and then Ayers eight million? 
<laughs> the disparity there, you know, because Celtic want them, so you're just going to go, right, we want X amount. You say Scott McKenna, six million quid, Celtic were quoted, left for three. Yep. So, you know, that, that kind of thing. So people are just chancing their arm when it comes to Celtic because they know at Celtic, this injuncture, there's a bit of desperation about them because they need players in, they need to, need to rebuild and they need to move players on. So Celtic have a reputation for it, Tony, now. Because to Celtic, have, Celtic when, they were, when they were doing well and when they were qualifying for Champions Leagues, they're selling Virgil van Dijk for £13 million. Pounds. Yes. It was quite simply always going to go on to be yeah. maybe you know, best defender in the world. I don't know. I didn't think he'd be far off. But I thought he was going to go on and rock the English Premier League. was no doubt about that. And I appreciate we got a sell on. But you put a sell on on a big fee, not to... Put the, the eventual sell on you get and add it to the fee you sold him for and then go, oh, we actually sold Van Dyke for 20 million. That is just jiggery pokery with numbers and all that nonsense, isn't it? It's nonsense. It's, you sold, you valued Southampton. There's a reason Southampton kept coming and knocking on the door because they kept going, these guys just keep doing it. They're the gift that, they keep winning trophies and giving us their players for button. You look at sure, Armstrong's 7 million move was only four years ago. Seven yeah. million pounds. That is the equivalent in you know of of you know in Scotland about five hundred grand, you know. I mean to the English Premier League teams. That is it's incredible that we've kept yeah. undervaluing our players and as you rightly say, then missing out on key number yeah. one targets due to the price being quoted we say over is too high. Getting well, we the world to, big dealing. We need to reverse that trend of Celtic being seen as an easy touch for Transfer targets and an even easier touch for the ones we want to buy. You know, easy touch for the ones that you sell, even easier touch for the ones you're trying to buy. I mean, yep. you'd agree with that, Amy? Yeah, absolutely. As, as Russell says, it's just that it's, you just sort of shake your head out because <laughs> there you go, sure, Armstrong, he's like, seven million pounds. It's, it's pennies, it's nothing, it's buttons, it's, um, it's just a joke, and you just making the laughing stock in it and then you hear all the reports or the comments or whatever and they say oh Scottish football blah 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 value well we're we're feeding into that yep. mantra we're, we're feeding into it because we're, like you say then we're getting caught out because there's these high prices for the number one targets the targets we have to be going for but then it's just it's like we it's, I was going to use a word but it's just it's just a farce it's just a farce um, I, I always remember the one that got me the most Tony right was um Top goal scorer in the SPFL ahead of Moussa Dembele was Liam Boyce. Good surname. Yeah. And he went to Buckley Albion for £500,000. That is our Premier League's top scorer ahead of Moussa Dembele, a French under 21 international who was, you know, a, a, you know an absolute world of a player, outscored in a lesser team by Liam Boyce. And we instantly, the first bid that comes in, 500 grand, and, and, and he's sold. I think it was uh, Ross County, was that? Now, you, the only way you can get out of thinking, oh, 500 grand is a lot of money to Ross County, the only way you can change that mindset is by generating more money. And that is by putting real values in your players and knowing the market you're selling them to. Because two when million, you're trying to go back million, to that market... Two million for Russell. Two million but, uh, Liam Boy should have went for to Burton Albion. Yep, two million quid. Yep, I wouldn't even entertain a, a bid less than that. If you yep. really value the player and value your club and value the league that you play in, just say two million quid. Yep. Take it and leave it. Somebody would have took him because he scored goals. He scored he's more good. goals than Dembele. I mean, it's just like what are we talking about here? You know, what I mean, it's like if you get somebody with your, if you get somebody at a table, that's what you say. This guy's outscoring Dembele. How can yep. you offer five hundred grand? Yeah, and I, I, I just think right now we we sell to a cheap market and we're not realising we're buying from the same market. Yeah. So ours, us should devalue our players. Um, and then that's why we're missing out on Ivan Tony's etc. Not to go into all that again, but these guys are seeming like they're a lot of money. Oh, yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought he'd cost so much from League One. No, you need to get your head out of the sand here. This is the, 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 the market we operate and it is overinflated. Now, the last thing I wanted to touch upon, Russell, which will probably delight you, was the Celtic girls team or Celtic women's team. You watched another brilliant derby victory yesterday, and I was making the quip 
before you come on that you're not a member of FIFA, you're actually a member of FOFA, which is the Friends of Fran Alonso. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, you're behind him. You like what he does. You are advocating he should get promoted to the men's team because he gets it. But a great victory for the girls and they're now in pole position for a Champions League place, aren't they? First and foremost, an amazing result. Uh, three Glasgow Derby wins, outstanding, all done in sort of similar styles, which shows it's not a one, you know, it's not a one-off. That is grit, determination, passion, all these things that we talk about lacking in the men's team. But what I would say is, if it's going to be Eddie Howe this week, who gets in charge of the men's team. The good thing about Eddie Howe is, when you watch his documentary, he very much gets involved with every aspect of his club, right? So he knows like everyone first name terms, and he'll have them all in huddles and things like that. He will do very well chewing the lug of Fran Alonso or just watching Fran Alonso's demeanour, how he operates with his team. Uh, well, and I'm sure Eddie Howe, the beauty of Eddie Howe is he will take stuff like that seriously because there is a lot to be admired about the work that he's doing there. Um, he's in a women's game that is underfunded still. He's playing on a plastic pitch. He's playing against part-time teams week in, week out, other than... Uh, Glasgow City and, and Rangers. In fact, Glasgow City, I'm not even sure if they are full-time professional. Um, and yet he takes that like his life depends on it. Not aloof, not arrogant. This guy worked in the EPL with Southampton, uh, amongst other clubs. He's taken that level of football that seriously like his life depends on it. I want that throughout the club. Everyone with that mindset. Why is that? I don't think that. You're getting paid well enough to think like that. Come on. Even if you're faking it. <laughs> were you impressed by the girls yesterday and the result? I really was. Um, I was working, so I've still, I've, I never caught the game. I've seen the goals, but it's like I say, I've, I kind of, I, I love the fact that actually we're getting, are getting on top of this. Um, it's brilliant. I've obviously, I've followed it. Being through here, I've followed Hibs probably more than anything um, in the last few years because it was always Hibs or Glasgow City. That's what it was. I'm absolutely delighted to obviously see see Celtic and that's obviously who I'm supporting. I'm not trying to say that I'm a Hibs supporter. But it was for so many years just Hibs and Glasgow City. That's all it was. It was a two-horse race. Um, so it's fantastic to see Celtic and Rangers as well have both women's teams do, doing so well and pushing Glasgow City is great um, you know I spoke to Scott Booth as well just a few weeks ago and and he's revelling in it it's fantastic you look at Spartans as well they've, they've been decent for a few years as, as um, in, in addition to Glasgow and Hibs but it's fantastic and you see when you look at Spartans and Hibs right now and they're fourth and fifth because Celtic and Rangers are just pushing that so much Russell said it spot on the women's game is still so critically underfunded that it's, um, it's a disgrace but look at that little bit of funding and that little bit of Attention that Celtic and Rangers both gave to the women's team, and already both are, are doing so well. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. Celtic against Rangers this season, they have been absolutely phenomenal women. They have, as Russell said, they've got it. There's no surprise that that's came from Fran Alonso, that he's, you know, he, he's put that across. He's really, he's in, encapsulated the whole Glasgow derby. He's got it, how important it is to win these games. Um, and it's it's been a breath of fresh air. And as Russell said, that's the sort of infectious guy that you're wanting in, um, in the men's team as well. As, as, as I was saying earlier, if you're wanting to... Um, if you're wanting to push Stephen McManus up or, or Mark Burchell, you, it's because you're wanting that sort of reaction that Fran Alonso's that Fran Alonso's given. You're needing that little bit of somebody who gets it. And I know that's all we're saying, but it's remarkable that a man who has no connection to Celtic prior prior to his stint here has got it so much and got it in abundance, and he's not putting it on. It's it's so infectious, and I think that's that's probably the biggest thing. It's infectious amongst his, amongst the squad. Yeah. Well, okay, to wrap up this bulletin is, I agree with everything that you've said there. In, in an ideal world, in a soccer AM style, Tubes meets, I want when Boise met Alonso. It has to happen. And on that note, I just want to say, Amy, what a sparkling debut in the Monday Club. Fantastic. Awesome, Amy. Well done. I'll be at a job soon. <laughs> uh, Russell, you're just marvellous. And to right. say thank you. Thanks for everybody to tune in. Thanks for your comments. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, this has been the Monday Club. I've been Tony Haggerty. That's been Amy Canavan and Russell Boyce. Thanks Good a lot. Luck, All the best. Take care.
It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.